just kind of taking an aerial view over the over the top of both of them. Um, they teach about um, the wickedness of man, um, the man that devises destruction with his words along with God's sentence over their life. Um, in Psalm 52 and in 53, uh, we see a man that says that, that says there is no God, um, along with uh, the uni- universal fact that um, there is nothing good in man. Um, so two great psalms to go over as believers in Christ and, and a strong warning if you come here tonight um, and you say there is no God. Um, but let's get started. Uh, we're reading Psalm, psalm 52 first, and then we'll go over that. Uh, psalm 52, it says, To the chief musician, a contemplation of David, when uh, Doeg the Edomite went and told Saul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast in evil, almighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Salah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Salah. The righteous also see, also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is a man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever, because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. Cool psalm. Uh, David writes a psalm in response to a man um, that exposes his whereabouts to King Saul, uh, who is pursuing him um, relentlessly. Um, this man, Doeg, um, David refers to him as a man who, who boasts in evil, as we read. Um, his tongue devises destruction, um, loves evil more than good, and lying rather than righteousness. Um, the, the backdrop to this psalm, uh, the background um, is in First Samuel 22, um, verses 6 through 20. Um, it will tell us why David uses these, these really strong words uh, to describe this man of deceit, um, this man of, of discord, uh, this man who should have um, really kept his mouth shut. Um, but instead, this man, uh, kind of visually the way I saw it, um, kind of makes a little snowball and rolls down a, a snowy hill. Um, we've all seen those cartoons. I've seen many, on, many of them nowadays where that snowball turned into a big, massive uh, snowball and destroys things. Um, we'll see that. Um, as we go through this passage in, in 1 Samuel, if you guys want to turn there, 1 Samuel 22, um, verses 6 through 8, um, we will see how people choose to get information. Um, we'll see how, how King Saul uses uh, different things in order to extract different things he wants to know. Um, let's turn there. If you guys aren't there, I'm not there yet. Hold on. Um, all right, 1 Samuel uh, 22, uh, verses 6 through 8. It says, um, When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in Ramah with a spear in his hand, and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give you 
give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you captains, make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my sons has made my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is to this day. Uh, we see here Saul playing the you know little finger violin, asking for help um, from his servants uh, and looking for David. But it's it's right there. It kind of shows you um, how he asks or what he uses to ask for help. Uh, he asks his servant for help, a group of guys that he's ruling over. He's their king, and asks them um, everything, anything he, he probably asks them. They'll probably give him an answer. So first thing he uses his, his he uses is his position. Um, to try to get this information from them. And while he's asking them, he's holding a spear in his hand. So um, number two, fear. And number three, uh, he reminds them of what he can give them in exchange for, for David's life or, or information, you know, number three, bribery. Um, Saul was a man um, who, was, who has set himself on a course of events uh, through jealousy of David and um, where it seems like he lost total control um, of his actions. Uh, he was a madman. Um, you know, if you read the, the book of Samuel, he's always, you know, chucking spears at people. Um, he threw a couple at, at David um, and one at his son. Uh, wasn't a very good shot, but um, just a man that used his uh, the things available to him to, to try to hurt people. You know, I picture this guy, um, silly, silly kind of thing, but I picture this guy that just is reserved to just hand him spears. You know, he's ready to throw one. This guy hands him one um, whenever he wants to throw one. Um, but just like us, um, we might have that person standing next to us uh, with a handful of spears um, whenever we want to throw one. Um, he's ready to give us one. As you guys know, that man is, is Satan. You know, those, those sharp-edged spears, um, he gives us ammunition to cut people um, like sharp razors with our words uh, we are we are sometimes those vessels he uses to to throw those fiery darts to to hurt people um, but on a bigger scale um you know this spoke to me as a parent as as a husband um, if you are a parent here today, may we not be like saul and and use our position um, use use fear um or the provisions we have to uh, give it in your home um, for your own desires, um, you know. Because as, as a as a father, um, you know, I could take away things and give things to my kids as I please. Um, may not do that, but you know, it's in, it's in my grasp. And um, you know, as a husband too, um, it could be used that way also. So I pray that, that, you know, that I don't do that or that we don't do that like Saul did. I'm using those things that the Lord gives us, you know, the position, the fear, and, and also bribery to, um, to build up, up ourselves. Um, with these tactics, um, Saul uses for, uh, in his plea for help, one, one person um, kind of bites the hook, um, and that's all it takes. Um, he gets drug in into this plan of murder, um, this out-of-control, uh, self-given destiny Saul has to kill David. Um, let's read verses 9, nine and 10 in, in 1 Samuel 22. It says, uh, Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to 
to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. It's kind of weird how back in, in Psalm 52, uh, David calls him a liar, um, but he pretty much tells Saul the truth. Um, you know, everything that, that um, he tells him pretty much is what happened. But I think you have to look at how sometimes um, saying nothing is, um, is better, is the best solution. Doeg exp- exposes uh, um, David's location to Saul because he saw a way to, uh, to move up the ladder, to, um, but at David's expense, most of all. Um, that was uh, Saul wasn't looking, uh, seeking David because he wanted, you know, to to conversate with him or to to you know have a cup of tea with him. He wanted to kill him, and Doeg uh, pretty much reveals where where uh, David is at, and Doeg knew that that Saul wanted to kill him. Um, there's the key. Um, Saul wanted blood. In exposing David, you know, in that there is deceitfulness, in in that there is a destruction, and in that there is is will be boasting of evil. Uh, God help us to not use our words to expose someone's situation in order to benefit ourselves. Um, in Proverbs fourteen twenty two, it says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death." Um, we will see how much more damage is inflicted by Doeg's words in verses um, eleven through nineteen. Let's read those. It says, uh, so the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house. The priests who were Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, here now, son of Ahitub. He answered, here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me, to lie in wait as it is this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful of David as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is, and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. So the king, then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priest, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. So we see the, uh, the results of how the words of, of Doeg can cause harm to many more people than expected um, you know, he, he just gets drugged in. Uh, we see Saul totally um, paranoid, uh, thinking everyone's against him. Even this priest, um, the priest of Nova, Himalek. You know, have you ever, guys, I've always, you know, I see it kind of, not regularly, but you guys ever notice when everyone, anyone's seeking their own desires or their own ways, um, they really don't have a strong support behind them. 
um, for many other people. They are either by themselves or have a very small, small group. Uh, Saul's servants even see the madness of their king. Uh, he commands them to kill the priest, and uh, even his servants would not respond to to his, uh, you know, his madness. Really, uh, they were not going to strike down the priest of the Lord. Um, but we see Saul turn to a person, to the person of Doeg, to help him kill not just the priest, but destroy his whole family, and not just his family, but the whole town. Um, how sad is it is to see? Um, you can see how Doeg was sucked into this, um, into the wrath of King Saul. Um, not even that the servants of the house of the Lord were protected um, from the king's jealousy of David. I, you know, I hope today. Um, you know, when I was reading this, I hope today, if you're a Christian, you know, a, a priest. I hope you don't think that somehow you are protected from everything that goes on in this world. Uh, the enemy is at work. He's prowling. Um, and, and don't think he spends all his time going after unbelievers and distracting them. Um, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when you give him your life, you, are, you have a big target on your chest. Um, I tell this not to scare you or to discourage you, but to remind you because um, some people forget, I forget too. I forget how much he, he hates me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, I forget how much he, he wants, uh, desires to make me stumble, how it's his, it's his passion, it's, it's his commitment, it's his, it's his obsession. Saul desires to kill David. Um, doesn't even compare to Satan's hunger to, to kill us, not physically, but spiritually annihilate us. Um, and all this, remember who is in your corner, though. Um, remember who, who you have as a partner. Um, Hebrews 2.8 says, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus Christ. Jesus has been through it all. He's there to, to, to lift us up. Um, if we turn back to, to Psalm uh, 52, uh, we'll read that over just real quick um, again. It says, uh, to the chief musician, a contemplation of David, when Doeg the Edomite went and, went and told Saul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast an evil, mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp brazier working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Salah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Salah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is a man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a tree, a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. Now you can kind of see, understand and see why David was so angry, why in the psalm, if, you know, as we read it in 1 Samuel 22, uh, through his anger, you know, he is reminded of the confidence we have in the Lord to take care, um, to handle those uh, self-indulged individuals who seek to step on people to build on themselves. Um, I don't know why people do this. I don't know why I used to do this. Um, 
just building on yourself, uh, building on nothing. Uh, we are nothing compared to the Lord God Almighty. You know, how can we build on nothing? Build on something that lasts and something with substance, uh, things that will profit eternally, not things that will perish at the end of this small, small world, this life we have. But if you are a person who devises destruction, who loves evil and lying more than good and righteousness, here's, here's a strong warning uh, for you or anyone who may be like this or that we know. Um, the Lord will likewise destroy you, like it says in verse 5, and will, um, will pluck you away, which speaks of a, of a tearing away, of a tearing away from your dwelling place. Um, how sad it is to see uh, this happening every day around the world. Um, people depending on themselves, uh, their evil practices to benefit their worldly position or, uh, or place they're at. Uh, people don't care. They will step on whoever is in front of them um, to get to where they need to go or to be. Um, but the main person they step on is the Lord. Um, may we as believers uh, see this and see this and fear, like it says in verse 6, knowing that we shouldn't be like this. Um, we shouldn't be seeking our own desires over um, other people's desires. We should be caring and you know, thoughtful and humble. Um, even though it's hard to do these things, it shouldn't detour us from trying to do or be these things. And also, when we when we see these things happen to someone, we should laugh at them. Laugh at them. Laugh at them. That, when, when I read that, I thought that was pretty pretty harsh um, thing to to do to someone. I thought it might have like a different meaning, you know, in the in the original language, or, or but it means to laugh, to rejoice. Um, to rejoice that the Lord has handled them uh, or taken them away, um, I don't think so. In Proverbs 24, 17 through 18, it says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displease him, and he turn away from his wrath from him. I don't think, um, I think it means to rejoice, um, not in their situation, but to rejoice where your strength is into uh, where your trust is. Uh, rejoice because you have the Lord in your life and rejoice in the fact that you have the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Rejoice that you have uh, the power over these worldly struggles. Um, verse 8 talks about um, you know these green olive trees. That, that picture of a green olive tree. Um, I think it's green. Yeah, it's pretty green. Um, they have pretty cool characteristics. Um and, and look even cooler. But you guys want to climb it, huh? I wanted to climb it when I saw it. Um, when they get pretty old, uh, they mature, and their trunks. Uh, I saw I saw I saw a lot of them. Like they look almost like a uh, like a licorice. You know, they kind of they twist their trunks, kind of twist, and almost look like they're they're uh, grabbing a hold, of, you know, of the ground in some way. Um, but here's a description of an olive tree. You know, I got from the internet. It says a. Uh, Olive trees are very sturdy, drought, disease, and fire resistant, and can live for a very long time. Its root system is very robust and capable of regenerating the tree, even if the above-ground structure is destroyed. Um, pretty cool trees. And David compares himself uh, to be like an olive tree. Um, are we olive trees? Are we, are we sturdy? Are we, are we drought, um, disease, and fire resistant? Um, 
I believe we can be if we are planted in the right place, like it says. In, in Jeremiah 17, uh, verses 7 through 8, you don't have to turn, I'll, I'll just read it. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. But uh, in verse 9, uh, the, the psalm, uh, verse 9 wraps up the psalm with qualities that we should, that we should see in ourselves and in other believers. Uh, we should... Uh, be praising him for how long? For forever. And, um, and why? Because he has done the work. There is nothing else we can do to earn his love or devotion in our lives because he has, he has done it. You know, in all this, uh, we should let people all also know people of our praises and let them know what the Lord has done in, in and through our lives all the time, waiting on him all the day long until he returns in all his glory. Uh, now let's read uh, Psalm 53, and we'll um, we'll finish up in a little bit. Um, Psalm 53. It says, uh, "To the chief musician, set to Mahalath, a contemplation of David." It says, "The fool in his heart said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good." God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. But every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat, they eat bread, and do not call upon God. There they are in, in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. He have put them to shame because God has despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When God brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. I, I remember reading this psalm, you know, a long time ago and, and, and kind of struggling with it. Um, you know, coming from my, my background, I thought surely there was something good inside of us. Um, I thought, um, you know, the first person naturally, I thought it was myself, you know, um, back then. Because, um, you know, I was told I was a good kid, you know, I did good, you know, good, good, good type of thing. You know, I didn't, never thought I did anything wrong that, that would upset the Lord. Um, but then I thought, you know, man, you know, the Word of God, God did not make anyone good, all are bad. Um, there is no one good. Our Father in Heaven is telling us that out of all His children, there isn't anyone that is good. You know, I really had a hard time with this. I thought we all started out good from the beginning, you know, little babies. And then the world, you know, kind of made us bad. You know, but I think just like anyone, anything else, we have to, we, that we have questions with or about, you know, who has the final authority? Uh, the, the Word of God. The Word of God says that there is none good, none who does good. No, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. There was one. Um, there was. N there was no one good compared to our Father in heaven. 
Um, if you are comparing yourselves to someone else here on earth, of course you can say that I'm better, better than him or her. But as a Christian, why would we be doing that? Um, we all fit into the word of God. If you're a person you know, that thinks that, that you're better than everyone, this psalm is for you. It puts you in your place. You are not better than anyone. If you are a person here that's always you know, failing or always having trouble in, in your walk with the Lord, this psalm gives you strength, letting you know that you're no different than anyone else. Um, none of us are good. You know, um, I have a little daughter. I'm sure most of you know her, Amaris. You know, she's no good either, right? You know, according to God's word. But uh, how the word of God can start doing a work, you know, in 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 a little in a little girl, um, you know, teaching our kids. Uh, you know, we're teaching them the Ten Commandments, and um, you know, get into to number seven. You know, the thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, you know, it's like, uh, she's, she's never seen the effects of it or, uh, you know, been in, in contact with it in, in any way in, in her life, you know, but naturally she, she asked, you know, I wasn't there. So kind of a good thing. My wife was, was there when she, when she was going over this with her, um, but she asked, you know, what's, what's adultery and, um, you know, very plainly and, you know, simply not going into any detail or anything. My wife uh, told her that it's when um when when papa loves another another lady more or less you know kind of simply i don't know why papa had to be in there you know first but um you know you see you know her my wife told me this but her her eyes just started to swell up you know with with tears But um, her reaction wasn't uh, was good. You know how how the, the word of God can um, start to to show her, you know what's not good. And um, you know she said that was, you know that was sad and everything. You know you know tears like mine are probably falling down like it was on hers. But um, you know Romans Romans three also um, speaks on this subject too. You know none of us being good. If you guys want to read that later, but in um. In First Samuel, um, if you guys want to turn there, excuse me for the nervousness. <laughs> Sorry. First Samuel twenty-two, twenty-one, verses one through nine. We can read about. Uh, this kind of goes over the the, the same kind of before. You know, Doeg told Saul, but in Samuel, Samuel twenty-one, verses one through nine, we can read about David being the same, being in the same basket of deceit that. Uh, that Doeg was in. You know, he lied right through his teeth to the priest um, of the house of God, Ahimelech. Let's read uh, um, 21, 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 9. It says, um, Now David came to, to know to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has ordered me on some special on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in, in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have least have at least kept themselves from women. 
Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I have came out, and the vessels of, young, of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in, in the vessels this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on that day, on the day it was taken away. Verse 7, it says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take it, for there is no other except the one here, except that one here. And David said, There was none like it. Give it to me. You know, he lied pretty much. Uh, David is just like us. There is nothing good inside him. Um, he goes to the house of the Lord, to the priest, not to inquire of the Lord about what he should do or where he should go, but he goes and... and Straight up lies to the priest to get some physical need for himself, you know, food, food and weapons. Um, not like before when David went to inquire of the Lord, you know, to, through Samuel for the priest, uh, the priest for protection. It was all for bodily protection for his flesh. Um, I'm so thankful that this is here. You know, it helps me. I'm sure it helps you guys when we when we blow it, knowing that we are not alone. Uh, but David forgot where his strength came from where his protection came from. You know, I think of when he went up against Goliath, you know, and, and slew him. Those, those powerful words that the Lord gave him. Uh, in 1 Samuel 17, it says, uh, 26, verse 26, it says, then, then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And in the same chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 17, verse 36, it says, Your servant has both killed lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defiled the armies of living God. You guys feel that? You know, every time I read that, you know, this passage, the words of David, you know, I get, I get you know, chills. I, I feel the power of the Lord in those words. I feel the boldness of the Lord. I feel the, the confidence that he put in David through the Lord. Um, that he haven't that he had in that situation, you know, I want that in my life, and I, I pray you guys want that in your life also to be like that. You know, when when Ahimelech uh, gave him that sword that was in the temple, um, that sh I think that should have turned on a light bulb in David's head. You know, of what happened in the past. You know how what the Lord had did through him. You know, the boldness that He gave him. Um, it was so clear the Lord was trying to speak through him. Um, through that sword, you know, through slaying the giant and, you know, with the slingshot and the stone. Um, David wasn't looking for the Lord's protection at that time. You know, he wasn't looking. You know, it's sad to say, but but I don't think God was in any of his thoughts at that time. Uh, David in, in 1 Samuel 22, um, verses 20 through 23 if you guys want to turn there, we'll read those verses real quick. But it's in it's in it's towards the end of this whole situation where where David kind of uh, 
takes responsibility of the death of the priests and the family and everything that happened in this whole drama here. Verses, uh, chapter 22, verses 20 through 23. It says, Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. You know, um, that kind of closes up where we're at, but in closing, um, I just want to, to reaffirm how strong our words can be used. That, that come out of our mouth. Um, it could be, be used for the glory of God or for our own glory. Our tongue is a, is a powerful tool, tool, like it says in the book of James, but it's a, it is a tool. Um, we're going to choose how we use it. If you are a Christian here today, really a Christian here today, um, you've made it to the big time. You, uh, your life is, is on the big screen. Um, people are watching you and listening to every word um, and every move you make. Um, mostly unbelievers are watching you. Some believers, but people are watching you. May we be so careful with our words. Um, we could slip up like David and be responsible for the death spiritually of a whole family. Um, take heart, though. You know, the Lord is full of grace. And um, just like with David, you know, he will give you that. You know that 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 person Abiathar to take care of and to to give you another chance to serve him. You know if we slip up or anything. But you know, in closing, you know where's our strength? Where's our trust? And um, how are we going to use our tongue? You know as a tool. Uh, may the Lord be our strength. And you know in our challenging situations, like um, like he, we want him to be. May we seek him. You know just for every every thought, every every thing we do, every word that we speak. Amen. Oh, let's pray. Lord, we come before you, Lord, just thanking you, Lord, again, Lord, for just uh, bringing us here, Lord. Um, thanking you, Lord, for just uh, how you spoke to me, Lord, through um, just preparing, Lord, and uh, lifting up all my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and just um, all our struggles, Lord, all our um, incapabilities, Lord. Uh, may you be our strength, Lord. Um, May we trust in you, Lord, for, for everything, Lord, in those situations, Lord, where, where we know we can't do it, Lord. Um, we know we can't do it without you, Lord. Um, may that be in our, in our in our hearts, Lord, every, every day, Lord, every minute, Lord, every second, Lord, that we are nothing, Lord. There is no one good here, Lord. But you are so good, Lord. You are so good to us in all the things you do, Lord. Um, praying as we go, Lord, that you just um, be with us this week, Lord. May you just um, prepare us, Lord, and um, watch over our families, Lord, and friends, Lord. And again, Lord, just thank you for meeting us here, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the story of um, the life of David, Lord, how he was used, Lord, so much, Lord, but how he was just like us, Lord. We love you, Lord, and I pray be with us as we go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.